Good morning, Cedar Mill family. My name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here. And my name is Bethany, and I am also one of the pastors here. <laughs> hey, friends, before we get going, if we could just say one thing. We really miss you. Mm -hmm. We miss seeing you face to face. Uh, but most mm -hmm. of all, we miss worshiping our God together side by side. Mm -hmm. But this season, too, will pass. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're super excited and thankful we get to be with you. Uh, this morning as we continue our series in the book of Daniel. And at this point in our series, it's good for us to acknowledge that the book of Daniel can be divided into two parts. Chapters 1 through 6, which we've covered already, are pretty straightforward stories of God's faithfulness and stories of Daniel and his friends seeking to be faithful to God as they live as exiles in a foreign land. The second half of Daniel, chapters 7 through 12, well, they get a bit more difficult to understand. Actually, a lot more difficult to understand. They're made up of prayers and visions that Daniel had as an older man. Visions of the future. Visions of world empires. And I know as many of you would love it if we would dive into those visions and unpack prophecy this morning. But as we've studied the book of Daniel, we feel really convicted to focus on something that was prominent throughout Daniel's life, mm -hmm. and that is prayer. We see early on in chapter 2 that even as a young man, Daniel was a man of prayer. And then last week in chapter 6, we see that Daniel actually prayed three times a day. Friends, Daniel prayed as much as he ate. But these weren't just prayers he threw up prior to having a meal. These were defined times of communing with his God. Corey Tenboom says, Don't pray when you feel like it. Have an appointment with the Lord and keep it. And that's exactly what it looked like for Daniel. And then last week, we see also in chapter 6, that Daniel treasured prayer so much that he would rather die and be eaten by lions than to cease praying. Friends, as we look at Daniel's life, we can't help but be challenged ourselves. How much do we value prayer? How much do you value prayer? And friends, I ask that humbly, and I'm going to be honest and vulnerable with you. My prayer life has had its highs and has had its lows. But we can see that Daniel truly does treasure prayer. Daniel believed that his God was a God who answered prayer. And Daniel had seen firsthand that prayer, well, it can change everything. Friends, the Puritan John Owen said, what an individual is in secret, on his knees before God, that he is and no more. Mm. Friends, if that's true, then Daniel is quite a man. And we have quite a bit to learn from him and his life of prayer. So this morning, friends, we're going to do what we should always do. We're going to open our Bibles and we're going to open our Bibles to Daniel chapter 9. And we're going to unpack verses 1 through 19. And in these verses, we're going to see a prayer of Daniel's. It's a remarkable prayer. It's one of the most powerful prayers in all of Scripture. And we're going to look at three components of that prayer. Daniel offers sincere adoration, honest confession, and humble petitions or requests of God. But before we go any further, we need to pray. Mm. So would you join us? Would you pray? Sure. Uh, God, I just uh, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. 
Thank you for the example that we see in Daniel's life of what it looks like to truly follow you and know you. Lord, I just thank you for um, our people. Uh, just pray a blessing on them this morning um, in their homes, Lord, that you would just fill their homes with your spirit and that you would just do the work in us and through us that you desire to do. Lord, help us to become more and more like you and reflect you in our, in our homes, to our families, to our neighbors, and um, in this world, Lord. We love you. We trust you. Just have your way in us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 So, friends, if you don't have your Bible, put me on pause right now. But if you do, we're going to be again in Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. Mm -hmm. So follow along with me. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent a Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord, to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely, 70 years. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy, with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keeps his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, mm -hmm. but to us, open shame. As at this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all of Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, in all the lands to which you have driven them, because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. He has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity. For under the whole heaven, there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entered entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made for yourself 
as at this day, we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city Jerusalem, your holy hell, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. And for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our own righteousness, but because of your great mercy. Mm. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. Mm. Wow. Uh, prayer gives us such an incredible mm. model for how to pray for mm. a nation mm. and how to pray for God's people. Mm. Daniel begins his prayer in, in verse 4 with sincere adoration of God. He says, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Right out of the gate, Daniel exalts God for who he is, his character, that he is a God who is faithful and great and awesome and unfaltering in his love for his people. And God's character produced within Daniel this sense of awe and wonder. And he worships him with sincere adoration. And later in verse 9, Daniel also speaks of God's character. And that he ascribes mercy and forgiveness as attributes belonging to God. He reflects upon his character and adores and worships him with a sincere heart. And he remembers who it is that he's speaking to, not just what he's requesting. And it's so clear throughout Daniel's prayer, and we see throughout his life, that he truly knew God. He knew his character. So how is that? How does one know who God is and what character traits to attribute to him? If we back up and look at the very beginning of chapter 19 and verse 1 and 2, we see that Daniel was immersed in God's word. He's reading the scriptures. And we see that he knows God's word because there are allusions throughout his prayer of Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28 and Exodus 34 and Psalms 44. And here he is in Jeremiah. And although obviously the Bible wasn't complete at this time, Jeremiah was considered sacred scripture. And Daniel referred to it as the word of the Lord or the books. And Daniel is specifically reading Jeremiah 29, 10 through 12. And I'll read that to you now. It says, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And then you will call upon me 
and come and pray to me and I will hear you. So here Daniel is, a prophet, studying and reading another prophet. Matthew Henry says this, Though Daniel was himself a great prophet and one that was well acquainted with the visions of God, he was a diligent student of the scriptures and thought it no disparagement to him to consult Jeremiah's prophecies. He was a great politician and prime minister of state to one of the greatest monarchs on earth and yet could find both heart and time to converse with the Word of God. For so many of us, our lives are busy. And oftentimes when someone asks me, you know, how I'm doing, I usually respond with something like, oh, we're doing okay, or we're doing fine, or we're not doing so well. Um, but I usually end with something like, you know, it's busy. And I, I sometimes think that maybe that word busy is code for, I'm doing a lot of important stuff, right? But are we too busy to spend time with God, to know Him through His Word, to really sit with Him, to learn from Him, to be still before Him? Do we truly know who He is based on how He has revealed Himself through His Word? Or have we bought into our cultural um, experiences of who God is? And it truly is a grace that God has given us His Word that he has taken the initiative as a result of his perfect love for us to reveal himself to us. He promises us life and wisdom and joy in his word because it reveals the one who accomplishes those things in us. It is the word of God that points us to the God of the word who then completely satisfies our soul with himself. And it's clear in Daniel's prayer that he really knows God intimately. He knows his character because he imbibes his word and his adoration of God just flows out of him from the study of his word and how he has meditated on it and his regular practice of prayer. And as he reads Jeremiah and sees the exile of God's people coming to an end, he praises God for his faithful promises because he knows that whatever God says in his inspired word that it is true and it will come to pass. And as he studies the scriptures, his mind is being informed by this truth, by the scriptures, but it's also evident through his prayer that his heart is being conformed to the heart of God through the scriptures. After sincerely praising and adoring God for who he is, who he's revealed himself to be, we then see Daniel with the heart of humility turn from the scripture and turn his face towards God as he confesses the sin on behalf of God's people. And the brokenness and humility of Daniel as he prays for all Israel is incredible. It's like Daniel forgets himself and remembers his people. And we shouldn't be surprised at his posture. Uh, Charles, Charles Spurgeon once said, a true hearted believer does not live for himself. Where there is abundance of grace and great strength of mind in the service of God, there is sure to be a spirit of unselfishness. And that is what we see in the heart and the life of Daniel. He's clearly much more concerned with the other than himself. 
And verse 3 describes this humble and contrite heart that he has as he approaches God in prayer. He began by turning his face from the scriptures to God and with this honest confession. And we see visible signs in verse 3. It mentions fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And fasting is just simply withholding food to make something else a priority, in this case prayer. And sackcloth was likely an animal skin that was an irritant and was a mark of repentance. And then ashes represents utter ruin. So here, Daniel turns to the Lord with a heavy heart in a posture of lament and mourning. He's grieved for the sins of God's people. And as Daniel is confessing to God, he uses the term we. He stands in solidarity with God's people and their sin. And he does this because he's been called to carry the burden of their sin as his own. Even though he didn't cause the burden, he feels responsible for God's people who are in his care. And Daniel describes the sin of God's people who were called by his name as um, done wrong and sinned and act, act wickedly and rebelled, turned away, not listened, public shame, broken your law. And amazingly, Daniel puts himself on the side of God's rebellious people using the pronouns we and us and our more than 20 times. And in verse 5 through 8, he confesses that God's people deserved the judgment of exile. He basically says to God, this is our fault that we are here. You've done nothing wrong. You were right in what you did. And he's, he's just ascribing God's perfect justice to him as part of his character. And then in verse 9 through 15, he makes an appeal to God based on God's mercy and his compassion. And this appeal isn't based on anything good that people have done or anything they deserve or earn, but solely based on God's compassion and his grace and his mercy. And when we truly understand our sin and the sins of our brothers and sisters of faith in comparison to the holiness and righteousness of God, it is then that we will approach God on our knees with our face to the ground. And the women have been gathering on Monday nights um, just for a time of prayer online. And one of the things that we have been doing, one of our rhythms is to have a time of praise and adoration where we just tell God who he is and how grateful we are for who he is. And then we move into a time of silent confession. And on the first Monday we gathered, I realized I don't regularly do this. Like, this is new to me almost. It felt like um, I don't regularly come before God and examine my heart mm -hmm. and confess my sin. And I felt convicted about that. This is like my confession, that I lack confession. Um, but it, it was such a challenge to me um, as I read this prayer and experienced that time with the women um, and with silent confession that Daniel has this humility before God that I don't have myself. And he's, he's well aware of his sin and the sin of his people in comparison to the righteousness of God. When we come humbly before the throne of grace and confess our sins, we remember how undeserving we are of what he has offered us in his grace 
and his mercy, what he has done for us on the cross that we are so undeserving of. And here, Daniel does this, not just for himself, but he approaches the throne of grace on behalf of God's people. And this just makes me think about Jesus, what he's done for us, what he has taken upon himself for us with that same posture that Daniel had of we and our and us when it comes to our sin. And it just makes me so grateful that we have a God that we can approach honestly with the things that we have done wrong. And we can rest in the fact that we know that he promises that he's faithful and he's just to forgive us our sin and to purify us from all unrighteousness. And then friends, when we look at verses 16 through 19, we can see that Daniel begins to make uh, humble petitions or requests to God. Uh, And there's three components of Daniel's humble petitions or requests to God that I think are worth our attention. First, uh, as Daniel approaches God to make a request, Daniel does not appeal to his own righteousness or to his own character. He appeals to God's character and his great mercy. Follow with me in verse 18. Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. So friends, again, Daniel is is appealing to God based on God's character, not on his own. And this is actually somewhat ironic because if you think about it, in all of human history, outside of Jesus himself, if anyone might be able to get away with saying, hey God, answer my prayer because I've been righteous, it might be Daniel, Mm. but he didn't do that. He went to God and he said, based on your great mercy, Father, would you answer my petition? Friends, I think this challenges us as well in Daniel's prayer life. Do we appeal to God and his great mercy based on his righteousness and, and character? Or when we walk in to pray to God and approach him, is our hearts, are they filled with a you owe me type of thing mm. with God? Like, I have been righteous and it's worth examining our hearts. Tim Keller says, to pray is to accept that we are and will always be wholly dependent on God for everything. Mm. Second thing we see in Daniel's humble petitions is that Daniel is keenly aware of the promises of God. Mm. We see in these verses that Daniel actually references a promise that God made in Deuteronomy 30 to his people, that if they sinned and were sent into exile, if they would repent and humble themselves and pray, he would rescue them. So what Daniel is doing here, friends, is Daniel is holding up the promises of God to God and saying, God, do what you said you would do. Now, in our home, we have six children. It's a pretty busy house. But this is something my little children do to me all the time. Throughout the day, from the morning to the evening, they riddle us with questions and requests. (laughs) And by the end of the day, I'm exhausted. But near the end of the day, and, and I think this is strategic. I know it's strategic. Occasionally, they'll say, hey, Dad, will you take us to McDonald's tomorrow? Again, they're big fans of McDonald's. I don't know why. But, but they'll ask me, Dad, will you take us to McDonald's tomorrow? 
And if in my fatigue or just surrender at the end of the day, I utter anything close to yes, they will not let me forget that promise. The next day will be, dad, take us to McDonald's like you said you would. And again, friends, that's what Daniel is doing here. He's holding up the promises of God to God and he's saying, God, do what you said you would do. Friends, the Puritans used to call this pleading the promises of God. And it's one of the great privileges we have as God's children to say to God, God, do what you said you would do. Finally, we see in Daniel's humble petitions that Daniel sees that Things are not the way they should be. Things are not in line with God's heart, with the people of Israel. Where they're at, both physically and spiritually, he knows that God's heart, God's will, is to rescue his people from exile, that that is coming. Mm -hmm. But even more important than that, he realizes that God desires Israel to be restored spiritually to him, to turn from their sin. And Daniel sees that the people are still hard-hearted and unrepentant. So what does Daniel do? Daniel begins to pray God's will, that his will would be done. Sound familiar? Your kingdom come, your will be done. But again, friends, how does Daniel know the heart and will of God? As Bethany said, Daniel knows the heart and will of God because Daniel knows the Word of God. Friends, I think a lot of us look at our world today, at our nation, and we think, just like Daniel, it's not the way it should be. We see inhumanity. We see injustice. For some of us, we're awakening to racial injustice that extends back for centuries and still exists today. And we look at these things, it's easy to become discouraged, almost hopeless. Mm. But this is where history can help us out. In the 18th century, England was in a bad, bad way. Bishop Berkeley said, morality in Britain had collapsed to a degree that was never known in a Christian country. Friends, there were children being left exposed, infants to die, children being enslaved, slavery was common, and a bloodthirsty culture bought tickets to watch public executions. It was a sad state of affairs. And then God raised up a man of prayer. He was a small man, slight in stature, but he was a spiritual giant. Mm. And God used John Wesley to bring about the great awakening. Mm. And a nation was changed. Friends, prayer can change lives, it can change families, and it can change nations. And when we see injustice, we rightly should use our voices to speak for those who have been oppressed. We rightly should appeal to others through our posts on social media. We rightly can appeal to authorities through our peaceful protest. But we never should forget that the most powerful appeal that we can make is the appeal we make through prayer to the sovereign God of the universe. Ian Bowen says it this way, God shapes the world through prayer. The more praying there is in the world, the better the world will be, the mightier the forces against evil. Friends, we'll finish with this. 
In verses 20 through 25, Daniel gets an answer to his prayer. God sends the angel Gabriel to answer Daniel's prayer. And the angel Gabriel tells Daniel, one, Daniel, you are loved by God. Two, the exile will end. But then three, Gabriel answers Daniel's prayer in a way that Daniel didn't expect. Gabriel said that God was going to send a savior. Mm. Now friends, it's interesting to note that the angel Gabriel shows up in scripture three times. He shows up here in Daniel to tell Daniel that God is sending a savior. He shows up to Zechariah to tell him his prayer has been answered and that he and his wife Elizabeth would have a son and that that son would make the way for the coming Savior. And then he shows up to a young, unwed, Galilean woman and tells her the child in her womb is going to be the Savior of the world. Friends, Jesus left the right hand of his Father in heaven to go into exile for us by becoming a man. And when he conquered and defeated sin and death on the cross, he made a way for you and I to be called God's sons and daughters. So that when we pray, we can know our good Father hears our prayers and that those prayers can change everything. Friends, in a moment, we're going to celebrate communion together. And communion is a moment for us to remember what Jesus has accomplished for us mm. on the cross, overcoming sin and death, taking the just punishment for our sin so that we could be forgiven and have new life. Mm. So please take the elements, the, the juice and the bread when you're ready. Mm. Love you, Sierra family. Love you.